1: Welcome to Almost Famous, the podcast about fame with me, Barnaby Slater. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please do subscribe or follow the podcast and leave us a rating and comment in Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening. Also, do give us a follow on Instagram at Almost Famous the Podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. In Series 5 of the show, I'm bringing you daily episodes called 15 Minutes of Fame, where I read out some of the most honest, controversial and often downright funny stories that celebrities have ever told. In today's episode, former UK Prime Minister Tony Blair discusses the calamitous night he had on December 31st, 1999, Millennium Eve, where pretty much everything that could go wrong, did go wrong, leaving him with the genuine fear that he would be responsible for killing the Queen by the end of the night. I hope you enjoy it. The night of the 31st of December, 1999, I shall never forget. I've always been awful about great days and anniversaries. I shouldn't be like this, but I am. I never got birthdays except for the giving and receiving of presents. Christmas Day was and is always a wonderful family time, but somehow I'm always relieved when it's over. I was on duty and working the night of 31st of December, and yes, okay, a millennium is a big deal, but as I feel most New Year's Eves, I could quite happily have gone to bed early, had a good night's rest, and woken up the next day refreshed and able to contemplate at leisure the fact that another year had gone. Anyway, you get the point, it's not really my thing. So I looked forward to the evening of the turn of a new millennium with all the fervour of a visit to the dentist. Actually, I would have preferred a visit to the dentist. As it turned out, it would have been less painful, quieter, and certainly less stressful. First off, I had to go and start the Millennium Wheel, with an attendant firework display and great spiralling Catherine Wheel of some description. We left Downing Street on foot, with me feeling a gathering sense of dread. At times like these, Cherie would be heroic and perfect as a foil. She was, or at least put on a great act of being, thrilled by the whole prospect. As we moved among the crowds in Whitehall and made our way to the embankment, people were incredibly friendly and celebratory. And my mood temporarily lightened. Somehow we got to the point near Hungerford Bridge where Bob Ayling, the chief executive of British Airways, was waiting for me to start it all off. Bob had taken over running the Millennium Celebrations and had done a great job under hellish pressure. What happens when I start it off, Bob? I said above the din. Well, he said. Not much, since it's not actually quite ready. He was unflappable. I liked that, because I was definitely flapping. Bob turned his attention to the fireworks. What'll happen is that when you press the button, they'll go off right down the Thames. Right, I thought. I got to the little podium. There were cheering crowds. I think I made a little speech, emphasis on the little, of a generally inane nature, and then pressed the button a few desultory fireworks sprang to life, but by a cruel stroke which afflicted all our Millennium celebrations, they failed to go off in quite the spectacular fashion envisaged. Indeed, as fireworks go, I had attended somewhat livelier events at Highbury Fields in Islington on Guy Fawkes Night. And, of course, the Millennium Wheel was not yet working. I don't think that really matters for tonight, Bob said cheerfully. It does if it's called the Millennium Wheel, I said sourly. The dread returning. But there was no time to sulk. We had the dome party with the Queen to look forward to. We were due to get there on the new Jubilee line extension. The tube was itself part of the development for the celebrations, and new stations were being opened. Again, a great idea. Again, as the new year approached, it was a source of continual fretting. We had contractors' disputes, union disputes and political disputes. The problem was that everyone knew they had us over a barrel. The deadline couldn't exactly be moved, and without the extension, we couldn't get people down to the dome. We had left it tight. I had promised all manner of torture to my staff and ministers responsible. And I didn't like the fingers-crossed Prime Minister gallows humour emanating from the London Underground Management. It was a massive undertaking to get it finished, and John Prescott performed minor miracles bludgeoning people but Millennium Night was the first time it would be running. The initial nerve-wracking moment came when we got to the train. Would it work? Would the doors open? Would it just grind to a halt? Anyway, it did work. It let us in and let us out, and so we got into the dome, which was thronging, except that it wasn't quite. There didn't seem to be hordes of people. Where is everyone? I asked our guide from the dome. I think the connecting train from Stratford Station has broken down. The station is effectively shut. The room swayed. What? The Stratford Station, vital to transport people to the dome, had some wretched electrical fault and was malfunctioning. I thought of the public waiting there, the panic rising. Charlie Falconer had taken over as the minister responsible. Charlie took more abuse over the dome than it is possible now to imagine. He was wondrous throughout. Every time I saw him after yet another mauling, complete with barbs about his weight, looks, character and manner of speaking, I would say to him, How are you, Charlie? and really mean it. He would always reply that he was loving the job and was so grateful to me for the chance of doing it, all without any apparent hint of irony. I found it awesome. His performance over the dome was an amazing feat of self-immolation. I found him upstairs at the VIP reception. Charlie, I said. What the hell's going on at Stratford? He explained the breakdown. Oh, Jesus, Charlie, how many people are waiting there? A few thousand, I'm afraid. Sorry. I looked at him melancholically. What on earth will we say when the media find out? Um, I'm afraid they will have found out already since the editors are all there waiting. I fear I did grab him by the lapels at this point. And I adore Charlie. What? What the hell are the media doing there? You didn't, no, please, please, dear God, please tell me you didn't have the media coming here by tube from Stratford, just like ordinary members of the public. Well, we thought it would be more democratic that way. Democratic? What fool thought that? They're the media for Christ's sake. They write about the people. Don't want to be treated like them. Well, what did you want us to do? Charlie said, feeling he should be fighting his corner a little. Get them all a stretch limo. Yes, Charlie, I thundered. With the boy or girl of their choice and as much champagne as they can drink. Or at least have got them riding in the tube with us. I'm ashamed to say I then shouted and bawled at him for a bit longer, while the more sensible of our party tried to find out what to do. Eventually, we heard they were on their way though possibly not in time for midnight. Please don't tell me it doesn't matter if they're not here for midnight, Charlie. Or I will club you to death on the spot, I recall saying. In the end, some got there, some didn't, and anyway, the media coverage was more or less set in stone from that moment. Meanwhile, a fresh knot of anxiety had gripped me. We had persuaded the Queen and Prince Philip to come down to the dome to join in the fun. I don't know precisely what Prince Philip thought of it all, but I shouldn't imagine it's printable. I suspect Her Majesty would have used different language but with the same sentiment. However, we all had to go through it with a cheery face and she put on her best. We sat down together. We looked at the programme. There was an acrobatic show prior to midnight. Now this was spectacular. They were way up in the dome performing extraordinary feats, flying through the air. They were dressed in a riot of colour and really did look and act most impressively. Then an appalling thought struck me and chilled me to the innards. They were doing their wild thing right above where the Queen was sitting. Well, that is remarkable, Prince Philip said, brightening a trifle. You know they're doing that without safety harnesses. I swear I knew what was going to happen. I felt like someone in one of those Sixth Sense movies who can see the future. From sixty feet up, one of the performers was going to fall in the middle of a somersault, hurtle down and flatten the Queen. I could see it all. Queen killed by trapeze artist at Dome. Britain's millennium celebrations marred. Blair admits not all has gone to plan. Britain's millennium would indeed be famous. I would go down in history forever. I kid you not, I joke about it now, but at 11.30pm on New Year's Eve 1999, I was absolutely convinced. I have never been more relieved than when it all stopped. Then came the ghastly singing of Old Lang Syne. Another decision. To link arms with the Queen or not. We looked at each other. I realised helplessly that to do it was ridiculous. But not to do it was standoffish. I made my choice, stretching out my arms. She kept her options open, holding out one arm. But what the hell, she was alive, and that was the main thing. The rest of the evening passed in a blur. We finally got home at around 2am. I thought the evening was rather fun, Cherie said as we clambered into bed. Darling, I replied, there is only one thing I'm going to thank God for tonight, and that is they only come around every thousand years. Tony Blair obviously gets a lot of negativity these days for his role in the Iraq war, but I'm not desperate to comment on his politics, more just the hilarity of what sounded like an incredibly stressful Millennium Night. If you can be bothered, I can highly recommend that you YouTube the video footage of Old Lang Syne from the Millennium Dome that night, as Tony looks unbelievably awkward throughout, as does the Queen, while his wife, Cherie, just looks like she's completely drunk. Let me know your thoughts on Tony Blair and any of these episodes of 15 Minutes of Fame in the Apple Podcasts comment section or by posting to our social media. Find us on Instagram at Almost Famous the Podcast and on Twitter at Pod Almost Famous. Also, please do press that subscribe button and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please check out my other show, It's Your Funeral, a lighthearted look into the most important day of our guests' afterlives. And give it a follow on Instagram at Pod It's Your Funeral. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, there'll be a brand new episode of Almost Famous's 15 Minutes of Fame every weekday morning. Goodbye.